Hey everyone, welcome back to a truly exciting episode of Saft Podcast. Not only is this going to be the final episode of this year and this season, but as you can see, this is our first ever live video episode. And so stick around for us of the podcast. Hey Steven, this is this is just amazing that we are able to finally do this. <laughs> yeah, it's truly insane like the last video thing that we have had together is like never we haven't had anything yeah, no, nothing in person in just person, all remote yeah virtual. yeah this is insane this is really surreal <laughs> but i i feel like um these kinds of like in person podcasts might be a lot better cuz yeah. you know we can really riff off of each other like zoom there's a lot of like what is it lot of um all the all the network lag and all of that network yeah. lag yeah we won't be able to read each other's hand motions emotions yeah. what not you know we can look deeply into each other's eyes and <laughs> <laughs> yeah. make make the entire podcast beautiful for the audience as well yeah yeah exactly exactly i, I mean we have done this sort of live podcast dialogue mm. but that was in back in kolkata when me and ஒன்னிங் a uh, ministry partner joining us co-host conference so we are super thrilled we have an amazing lineup of guest uh, speakers lining up so we super excited to bring the news out to you so stay connected to us on social media platforms and steven so in the in the past episode let's get right into it yeah um in the past episodes we've been looking at you know inductive arguments the nature of inductive mm. arguments the nature of deductive arguments okay. we've also looked at the effectiveness of arguments right. knowing christianity to be true, to be true and showing christianity to be true mm. and also like very so i i ho- i hope that they were very helpful for our audience and so in this episode i just want to touch upon uh, one bit about the nature of arguments okay so for deductive arguments we have the premises mm. kalam we have you know right. everything that exists the begins to exist has a cause yes the universe began to exist therefore the universe has a cause yeah now one thing that i realized when i was learning about these arguments is that uh for us to affirm that premise one is true mm. we need not go to extreme absolute certainty levels of affirmation we just okay. have to show that uh that that premise is true it is more plausible that that premise is true than the premise negation be true oh. so in other words saying the Occam's universe razor isn't that yeah, what yeah it would be so, it would be sort of getting into Occam's razor but not excel in its own nature wait we have to just clarify for the audience the what Occam's, Occam's razor. razor means so it's it's sort of like a simplest so i will just try and break down and you can correct me if i got it yeah, yeah. simply so it is sort of like a philosophical rule of thumb the um how complicated are you making the whole proposition out mm. to be so uh, the simpler the explanation the explanation is that would be preferred more exactly because it's it sort of touches into ad hocness that we looked before mm. when we see you know how much assumptions are you adding into the theory sort of level right. so occam's razor is like how finely balanced can you keep it without making it more complex and complex and therefore the simpler theory is preferred but yeah. it won't touch into that here yeah. so what i'm what i'm talking about is that when we say the universe began to exist okay what is more plausible universe began to exist or the universe did not begin to exist right so in that sense we would say well it is more plausible that the universe began to exist we have scientific data pointing towards mm. it we have philosophical data pointing towards it right and so in argumentation what philosophers point out is that that is sort of the threshold 
that is what you need to get across to mm. hold on to the statement that the universe began to exist okay what so, you so uh, a question is who is saying that the universe did not exist well there is um it's not fringe but there is sort of this outlying voice sort of in scientific arena mm-hmm. who would hold on to the uh, cyclical models of the universe right uh, the but that, that wouldn't be the universe did not exist but has always existed it would be uh no it would be more or less that the universe did not begin to exist mm. so or or if we say in the statement that i'm just using the example the universe exists and the universe does not exist mm. we are looking at the what is more plausible mm. okay and what stood out to me is that when we think about the things that we normally believe in we are not always looking at absolute certainty mm. for the example hey, i exist right or you exist mm-hmm. can you prove to me that you truly exist can i prove to myself that i truly exist Ooh. what is the proof that we use uh, like, this how- can keep philosophers up for ages <laughs> <laughs> this has kept philosophers up for ages so i was in talk with one a friend of mine and you obviously also you have also been engaged in you know campus evangelism for a lot mm-hmm. of time um and he was asking about okay give me like absolute proof for existence of god and so I, at that point i asked him well you know there are a lot of things that we believe because it is reasonable right. it is sensible to believe in that right. than it's falsehood mm. so for the statement to say that you know i believe that i exist mm. you know, uh even though we may not have absolute proof on it it is much sensible to believe that i exist and to believe that i don't exist yeah. because to believe i don't exist i have to presuppose that i believe that i exist yeah. so it gets so convoluted what is your thought on that how did, did you come across the sort of realization about you know absolute certainty of something practical certainty of something sort of thing yeah like when it comes to the particular phrase that you're saying it's so easy to break it down yeah. the problem is that when it comes to yeah so like you said campus evangelism and all of that what they try to do is they try to push it away to something so big and they're clumping it together with different mm. arguments here and there and mm. essentially creating such a complex level argument that they themselves do not understand so yeah. at that point what we do is what you said we we reduce it down to its most simplest form and then what we ask is you know if they're asking for the existence of god then we say this right usually when it comes to atheism and when it comes to these particular arguments that they're making they're pre they're using these arguments from a particular culture that they have come from mm, yeah, right true. and they are thinking with that particular mindset yeah. and then reducing it to its most fundamental parts removes that entire bias from them so what you mentioned about the particular you know existence of god so do i exist that's a very good way of reducing it yeah. to the sum of its parts essentially so yeah and and what that actually shows is that let me ask you this do you believe that okay. um that man actually landed on the moon oh okay okay yeah so i would, would say yes yeah i also would say yes yeah but none of us actually saw it with first hand mm, proof right. so that is a question that sometimes atheists or atheist friends ask of us and mm. i can understand we can understand why mm. they ask of us so they would ask for this well i need some distinct clear proof mm. that god exists right but the thing is when it comes to a lot of our normal day stuff you know we actually go around believing all of this right you know, we, because we even if you look at the evidence for moon landing there are there are definitely yeah. objections to it there are a lot of objections to it even even the video evidence that we have have can be chalked up to be a witness report yeah you know True. yeah there you go yeah so exactly everything in its essence any level of history is going to be a witness report yeah right so and, and so so in that same way so you know 
when people look at the gospel they would like oh how do we trust eyewitness records mm. but when it comes to other instances when it comes to nationally sensational news of some crime right the eyewitness reports we don't think twice we we get up on it we rally it we express our anger on social media we believe the news outlets it's all done mm. but when it comes to the question of god you know suddenly all of these sort of criteria mm. go out the window so now right. you need absolute proof so i believe that's pointing out to the person that you know the burden of proof is not as high as as they suppose it to be okay or the reason that you know them demanding this level of burden of proof for god there's an 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 inferior level of burden of proof for everything else so the leaf sort of keeps open yeah. this sort of maybe may, uh, yeah so we could argue that the uh, the higher level of pushback is because of that they they don't believe in the same thing that we are but one thing is they would say that oh, i witness are also challenged in court as yeah. well to yeah. be fake yeah so so what makes a witness report credible probably something that the atheist might want to ask yeah but that would be you know that that whatever eyewitness report has to be put under cross examination mm-hmm. back and forth right and we all consider the point i mean no one is telling you know we look at the gospels and we start off by saying this is divinely inspired therefore i believe everything that it says right. you can look at it as historical documents to try and yeah. see does it make historical sense does it have uh, attributes of a historical and essentially just era. parse it in the same way that you would pass any other historical yes. document you know sort of emphasize the same level of um weightage and assessment that you would give to other historical documents mm. and we come to the same point Right. that you people would want to give a certain level of burden of proof when it comes to the question of theism mm. a certain level of burden of proof or a criteria threshold to get past when it comes to other documents mm. and i believe that even when we present these arguments and as you sit through the podcast and you listen through it you don't realize the fact that when you present it or share it with your um, christian friends atheist friends agnostic friends the reason that they may feel that you know it is not enough you know it's the the bar is too low or the bar is uh, or the arguments are not convincing could be could be something within the on the inside you know some sort of um, dual standard mm-hmm. i may not want to admit it but it could be the fact it, we may also undergo these sort of bias mm-hmm. in our judgments so and it would be a place for you to be patient with them um, and sit through and walk through and show them why they are taking these sort of dual standards when it comes to this um, because you know often we may mm-hmm. get up in the, in the heat of the argument and we just want to be like hey how can you not believe it it right. takes compassion to think through why that person is thinking through mm. because at the end of the day it's not about winning people into a a church or you know blowing up the proportions fine mm. for that person to you know eventually come to love god right. love has to come into the picture for that person to finally come into that sense so right. it, we have to be compassionate in that so uh, that would come outside of apologetics outside yeah definitely because particular you know apologetics is you know generally pre evangelism Yeah. you know you're laying the uh, field out you sort of clearing the obstacles mm. so that the gospel can be heard you know right yeah and yeah. i mean that is the end goal that's mm-hmm. what we all want to go towards uh with not just to you know dialogue or get into arguments and mm-hmm. stuff so, but eventually that when we share the gospel with them they'll right. be able to see it clearly um, see it as much as possible mm-hmm. without bias and also keep the objections out mm. and uh, and we get we're coming to the close of the podcast and yeah. one final topic that i just want to touch up with you is um you know even after we present all of these arguments mm-hmm. to a lot of people it is still unconvincing mm. okay have you had any sort of personal experience where you present maybe you know, one argument that you have presented and people are like yeah but still you know doesn't convince me sort of a thing yeah maybe yeah like 
almost everything like when it comes to you know talking to people who are naturally skeptic yeah. they would um, there are people who would open it with uh, would take it with open arms like they would consider your argument but some people um, because they're just so entrenched like how you said that they're just so entrenched in their own way of thinking that for them it's hard it's not that they're being blatantly ignorant hmm. it's just that they cannot turn from their biases right right yeah right from their way of thinking in uh, in that in that sense so they can't see it in your perspective yeah. i mean it's not something you know generally speaking it's not something that is restricted just to the dialogue of atheism versus theism mm. when it comes to doctrinal issues yeah we christians also yeah would, true, would, would, true. Would feel the same thing yeah, but it yeah. takes that sort of direct personal sincere effort to say okay do i really want to hold on to believing this mm. that personal question that we ask ourselves that would bring about the change right and also i think like we mentioned before reducing it to its most fundamental parts yeah. that's what i think it'll remove that because if we if we keep it at that particular high level they they they're only going to be able to think with their own perspective because yeah, we are yeah. on this part of the lane and uh, i am on this part of the lane but yeah. once we are reducing it down to its fundamentals we are actually bringing it back to the same lane essentially yeah. we are actually reducing it completely so instead of saying you know um you know god right mm. uh, when you say the term god that guy might be perceiving it differently yes. because he's as some he's preconceived seen, notions about exactly. what he's, who god is he's known god as something else so uh, probably he he might be thinking a bearded guy sitting yeah. in heaven commanding yeah. him to do this do that yeah, throwing lightning from heaven yeah, yeah. at people who don't have a, so, so so we we reduce it to the topic that we are talking about god is a personal being that has uh, that uh, an agent that has created the universe And think I, of it I, like that if you recall uh, on the final day of areopagus 2021 mm. dr craig session right now he was talking about um, if someone challenges you with your with your belief in theism mm. belief in god he said okay here are the five arguments that you can lay out right. he said in this way um, the beginning of the universe mm. is best explained by a cause of the universe mm-hmm. the design in the universe is best explained by a creator so you can eventually this will all lead to god mm-hmm. but he didn't throw in the word god every time right so that was an interesting way to show that you know when you say a designer that's only fit in with what we see around us mm-hmm. we see the concept of design and a designer behind it right and like you said you know we sort of bring it to the level of what argument we are talking about mm. sort of bringing in the preconceived notions and you know sort of instigating that person to bring in their preconceived notions when we mm. talk about god especially when you talk on topics like judgment or anything right suddenly they will have their ideas about you know god being ruthless and commanding yeah. activity and yeah. that's all they see not the nature of god's justice right. not even the nature of god's love or what the cross will bring forth mm, it's just right. nativity stuff yeah and even when they're reading the bible they're they're using that bias that they've already got in the preconceived notion like yeah. you mentioned yeah so that's a very interesting i one. think that's that's the role where we come into play mm. you know because we are not just basically seeing a person who's interested to know about god we mm. just give the bible and say yeah now it's up to you you carry on we have to be there to help that person walk through right you now uh, enable that person to see the truth so we're not asking to dilute the truth at any means right. trying to make it simplified so that they can grasp it at the concepts with mm. the least amount of bias that they may bring into the scene that's right. what we are both pointing out here we're not definitely not talking about diluting and you know bring it simplifying it and all of that stuff right uh, but obviously there are topics that you can't yeah. dilute much one mm. would be trinity people True. have tried to explain trinity with the 
uh the the water example no right. solid liquid gas state mm-hmm. the, the crazy thing is that actually fits well with um modalism mm. which talks about god as a one being and one person right. taking different at a particular forms, point yeah taking different right. forms mm. more than with trinity right. so there is also a caveat there with trying to simplify it too much yeah but you remember the the thing that i use my my yeah, particular yeah, yes. So that is but even then that's a little bit you you would have to know a little bit more about maybe 3D so essentially what you are what you are talking about god to be is essentially the concept 3D three dimensions so we have each dimension the x coordinate the y coordinate and the z coordinate so each of these hmm. are equally important to each other right if you remove the x coordinate it becomes yeah. 2D it's no longer 3D yeah, yeah. So, right yeah. and they're equal to each other yeah. like right? people ask the question if you remove god is god still divine yeah if you yeah, if, yeah exactly if you remove it's no longer 3d yeah, yeah. the exactly no and people 3D. consider a holy spirit to be less divine than yeah. the uh, than the son and the father and all of that stuff so the only thing that maybe uh, the 3d concept does not explain <laughs> is uh, the fact that you know um, that the son is submissive to the father and the holy mm. spirit is submissive to the son and the father that's the only thing that it doesn't explain but it explains the other concepts in a much more better way so there are ways to uh, simplify it but i think um yeah like how you said we're not diluting the concept yeah. and i think when we're saying that we mean it in the sense that you know uh like how richard feynman you know the yeah, yeah. scientist richard feynman so he talks about uh learning a concept a complex concept like in physics or chemistry mm. or something and being able to if you have truly learned it properly you should be able to explain it to a 5 year old or something yeah, like that yeah so at least if i'm remembering it properly i don't know whether i know uh, but, uh, bro, okay we're just going to assume that richard feynman has said that okay <laughs> because i don't know <laughs> he pro- like from what i remember at least so um yeah and uh, one final note to close over this is that that analogy of you know imagining god as a 3d concept to mm-hmm. the better portray the truth of trinity to better explain the complication mm. the complication of trinity would work well with a person who is well accustomed with the concept of trinity right right just right. like as nabil qureshi was looking through his science book and he came across the example of how um i'm trying to recall off the top of my mind how nitrogen particles or um, atoms interact mm. and that suddenly hit him and he was like oh this sort of looks sort of like how the trinity is explained mm. to him it made sense for me it took time to grasp it right so the whole point again we're coming down to is that when you when we try and convey the doctrines of the christian faith the intricacies of the christian faith or in general theism breaking it down into similar terms without diluting the truth while you know keeping a holding to the fact that the best analogy to the trinity is the trinity itself sort of a thing trying to break it down so that you can present it best to the person and enable them to come uh, into clear terms with it with the least amount of bias mm. and that's sort of the thing that we want to invite our audience to right. as we oh, wait i just thought of another thing i was like thinking there is there is something else that is similar between the 3d model and the trinity that um that the x y and z coordinates hmm. are completely distinct from each other right uh-huh. they're not merging into the same this yeah. thing they aren't similar they are completely different entities to each other but sort of like they're of the same nature yeah while distinct from each exactly yeah right right yeah. so, so that that's something to think about um you can ping up even on social media <laughs> if you want to know more about 3d concept but yeah i think and this is i think this is a good, sort of a good place to wind up mm-hmm. this episode of this season season 3 as well as of this year we will be back we'll be taking a sabbatical as we focus 
more on the conference and with other forms of content and we would like to uh, request you to carry on joining um and stick with us through the journey thanks for all the love and support that you have given and for sticking with us through the podcast so until we meet again it is a goodbye from craft podcast myself jacob and steven take care god bless to know more about our ministry visit our website at www.saftapologetics.com you can also find saft apologetics on facebook instagram youtube and patreon